Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Kurt Jurgen. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey everyone, I'm Kurt Jurgen for at Kurt Jurgen and uh, I'm a drone photographer from Canada and I've recently been asked to do this interview on here, which is all, always fun. It's probably my first Zoom, Zoom interview. So, woo. I've been doing this for a couple of years now and my pages skyrocketed a bit to uh, 28,000. So that's always good. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your, your morning. I know it's bright and early on a Sunday morning for you in Canada. Um, so as always, we've asked you to send over sort of three pictures that you know are your favorites and that kind of thing. So we'll start off by talking about the, um, the car and the snow. So do you want to talk us through why you've chosen this shot? Well, uh, it was actually probably one of the first or second snowfalls uh, that we had here. And I just basically took the day off work and I drove straight, straight up into the country. And I was like, okay, I need to find a really cool parking lot. Like I didn't even really plan on doing that with my car. Uh, but the parking lot I found was on a hill and <laughs> I threw my car in there and then it just started to slide around. And then I, was, I threw my drone up in the air. I was like, Hey, I kind of have a, a cool shape going on here. Like I looked at the geometry. So I, as you can see on the bottom of that photo there, there's a little bit of a skid and that's where I realized what I was doing. So then I looped my car back around an extra time to try and get that six going. So that was a fun one. Cause I was actually going there for the lake that was there. It's shaped like a heart. I was trying to do a Valentine's day post instead, but I found that while I was there. So I was like, bonus, this is great. And it just looked like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with snow as well, I think snow can definitely transform an image from being something quite mundane to something quite interesting. Um, I mean, sort of just through the course of talking to people on the podcast, I've seen a couple of shots that people have shot the same location with snow and without snow and they always prefer the snow shot just because it makes it seem that little bit more interesting and obviously here sort of having that blank snow just means that it's a canvas that you can sort of paint whatever you want to on it yeah yeah that's exactly that's what i was thinking too that's why i'm so excited that it's winter right now because we finally have snow <laughs> yeah i mean sort of one of the reoccurring themes i sort of see with your both your profile and the shots that you've sent over is that you're sort of quite you tend to sort of look for patterns and, and shapes in things and, and symmetry. So is that something that you always look for in your shots or is it something that you just happen to sort of come across one day and sort of roll with it? I always try and find something unique. So I spend a lot of time on uh, Google Maps to Google Satellite, Google Earth, looking around, seeing what's in my area. Because like, I don't know if you know anything about Toronto and the surrounding area, but there's not a whole lot of... Uh, beautiful landscapes like we have pretty flat lands and no mountains and one giant lake and some smaller ones but you really have to drive uh quite a bit to get to what people always call in canada the nature <laughs> so um i always uh strive for top downs when i can just because it's something that we have an abundance of and we have um as you could probably tell, a wide variety of geometry in the area that I can play with. And most people overlook it because they're like, oh, where's the trees? Where's the nature? Where's like the animals, the wildlife? And we don't really have that in the city. Like, so you gotta, gotta get creative with what you got. And 
especially when you're looking on like a satellite view for Google and stuff, you can, you can find a lot of things just looking around on a map. You're like, wow, that stands out. And if it stands out from that height, it will stand out from a, a drone as well. So definitely keep my eye open for that. <laughs> so obviously we've talked about the, the pattern and that kind of thing, but do you still travel and go looking for sort of that nature photography, as you say? Um, I would love to travel. Yeah. But, um, I think all traveling has been kind of halted here. Uh, I used to be sent to like Ottawa and other places in Ontario for work. And I would bring my drone along the way because I would always drive there. So I would hit up a couple of spots on the way and uh, make sure that I knew what was on the way as well. So um, that has all kind of been stopped. Like I've been working from home. So I'm kind of restricted to my local area, but luckily I have enough content to keep me, keep me striving. Uh, but traveling, no, it's been, it's been cut off for me, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, even over here in the UK, you know, you're not really meant to, to be going anywhere unless it's essential, which is, you know, it makes the photography side of things quite difficult because sometimes you feel like you've exhausted your local area. Um, but obviously, like you say, as long as you've got sort of that, you know, enough backlog of, of uh, footage and images that you can sort of use to keep your Instagram going, then obviously people can still sort of keep engaging with you and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, having the backlog is very important. <laughs> Otherwise, like uh, people forget about you. So you need to be consistent with everything. Definitely. So moving on to your second shot, then this is uh, the top down shot of what looks like some sort of houses and like a green area in the middle. So do you want to talk us through why you've chosen this one? Well, um, that is actually in the Ottawa area. And as I was saying earlier, I would go on some work trips with my company and uh, we would go basically wherever in Ontario. So I had a pretty sweet gig where it was uh, just a drop off and pick up of equipment there and I ended up having the rest of the day to myself. So I would look around the area and that, uh, that spot stood out from probably like a mile in the air from satellites. I was like, Oh sweet. I got to go there. I immediately threw on like my boots and I was like, let's go straight to the spot. Um, there's actually, there's two of those actually one, one still to come, but they're almost identical. And, but, that one that you picked there is like perfectly symmetrical and I thought it was crazy, but the next one has like one corner of it's different from the other three and it's like, it, it really stands out. So I'm excited to post that one too, but that one, I think just because like, like you said before, my feet is like ge geometry based. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, this is perfect for my feet. Definitely. I mean, even with this shot, just sort of looking at the houses, you can see that they're, you know, from one side to the other, even the houses are identical. So it was obviously built on, on a, you know, obviously trying to trying to get everything looking very similar. And that makes it perfect for sort of that top down photography, because it literally looks like you've taken one corner and almost folded it four times. Yeah, it looks that way. But surprisingly, it's there. And I was surprised too. And even when I was driving around in the neighborhood, I got lost because I was like, I don't know how to leave here. <laughs> Yeah, I had to turn on my GPS just to leave. Yeah, it reminds me of one of those films where you get um I can't remember the name of the film but where you get stuck in the uh in the housing estate and you know you you end up living there forever because you can't find your way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So sort of moving on to your third shot then, this one's labelled as Sleepyhead. Um, so this one's sort of the, the black and white spiral one. Do you want to talk us through this shot? Yeah, so that's just another one of my finds that um, that are local enough, but I'm not going to reveal the spot. Um, that one people have been asking me about for a while. I'll be like, where is this? I'm like, it's around the corner. Like, you just got to look around. They're like, where? I'm like, I, I can't tell you. Like, you just got to find it. So that one, uh, it was actually like mid-COVID. Uh, I probably was back Instagramming for a couple months and I found it and I was like, this is awesome. And I went there, I brought my friend and we showed up and my drone was in the air for probably about a minute. And then security came and they're just like, do you work here? And we're like, no, they're like, okay, well then you got to go. And I'm like, mm, really? <laughs> I'm like, well, good thing I got the shot, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. So, um, like two days later, I came back and I got, uh, there's another shot from the same spot of me standing and it's more of an angle than a top down. Uh, I went back and got that and I just made sure I was there for about a minute. <laughs> so do you prefer shooting top down shots in general then, or do you still, because, you know, obviously over the course of the podcast, I've spoken to a lot of people and it seems to be, there's a, there's a variety of people, some that shoot, you know, just top downs to get that sort of traditional drone shot. Um, and then others that shoot with the drone in the air, but with the gimbal at sort of a more relaxed angle to, to capture the landscape, but just from that aerial perspective. So which is it that you sort of go for? Well, I think just um, I've been focusing on top downs just because of where I am. If I had like uh, Icelandic or Norway kind of scene to play with, I would definitely be shooting more of an angle and getting more of the landscape. But I feel like uh, maybe it's just because I've been here my whole life that there's not much to see. And I don't think um, other than like downtown Toronto, there's not anything too exciting to show people. So I find at least from a top down, people don't really know that I'm just from like a suburb of Toronto compared to like um anywhere else like in the world like i could be anywhere if i didn't tag those uh geotags so uh i prefer just to shoot top down just because where i am if i was somewhere else i would definitely be mixing it up a bit more but i feel like my feet has definitely been um kind of um i've been using all the top downs on like the corners of my grid and just basically that's how my feet is going to be laid out and it's going to continue that way because people seem to be happy with my feed. So definitely, obviously we've, we've sort of talked about the the fact that you fly in, in downtown sort of Toronto and that kind of thing. Um, how do you find the drone regulations out in Canada? Because as far as I'm aware, they're quite strict in comparison to a lot of other countries. So what's it like sort of flying in Canada? It is, it is strict. Um, it honestly, like before the regulations even came out, I had a drone back in 2015 and then, um, two years later, they basically stopped everyone from wanting to buy drones because of all the rules they put out. Um, just this last year, I got my basic license because I figured it was time. Uh, I've been just droning around the area without one for a long time and, like <laughs> it was, it was probably time to get it. And, um, but we have two levels in Canada. We got the basic license, which is, uh, 
not flying near people, not flying over people, basically 30 meters away from everyone and then away from airports, you know, the usual stuff. And uh, then you can get the advanced one on top of that, which I'm working towards, uh, where you can fly over people as long as your drone is uh, acceptable and not like uh, a makeshift one that you made in your backyard. Um, yeah, but that one, the advanced one specifically, like you have to do uh, a test online and then you also have to do in-person flight review. And that's, that's what I have left is the flight review. And that's where they like, basically you become a pilot for an, a drone, which is kind of crazy to think that you could be a pilot with such a small little thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I saw um, a YouTube video, I can't remember who it was by, um, but they were talking about sort of the regulations in Canada and almost saying that to take that advanced test, you have to learn, you know, all of the sort of airways speaking code and everything to do with aeroplanes. You, As you say, you're basically a fully fledged pilot, but you just don't know how to fly the actual aeroplane. So is that sort of what, what it's like? That's yeah, pretty much it. Like when I was doing the advanced ridden test, I was like, wow, I feel like, uh, I should be flying a plane instead of a little remote control. Like <laughs> it was, it was definitely a challenge and I, it took me at least two tries to get through it. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they're there for, for a reason, but obviously it makes it, you know, people that want to pick up a drone to sort of do it as a hobby. It, it makes it difficult to sort of get started with it i guess because you can't just try it out and if you don't like it then you know i'll it just put it down to sort of a, a mistake but obviously if you've got to go through that you know that that basic license and then obviously get the drone on top of that it it makes it sort of all quite time consuming and probably costly as well well costly um honestly no the the basic test is only uh, five dollars to do it and uh, all you have to do is just register your drone on top of that. But since DJI has been making like the Mavic Mini and stuff like that, you don't need a license for that. So you can you can basically just go to the store, buy that, and it can do almost what like um, what any other drone would do, just without probably the range and the camera quality. But it, if it if that's what you want is just to fly a little object in the air, then that that's a good drone for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that sort of brings us nicely onto the, the kit that you use. So do you want to run us through what kind of stuff you use and, and what, what drone you use and that kind of thing? Sure. I just ended up grabbing it. I uh, fly a Mavic Air 2 and I also have a Phantom 4. Like Phantom 4 was my first drone, but this is I'm just unrolling it here. There we go. So this is what I ended up flying. I uh, made my own graphics for it. Looks pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is my main drone now. Like like I said, when I started droning in 2015, I had my Phantom 4 and it was a good drone, but I found at least in the suburbs of Toronto and downtown, the range was restricted because there's just too much interference from everything going on that um i felt like i needed to upgrade and this drone now is so much better like it's faster it's smaller it's portable and it can go a lot further too like although the rules in canada are pretty strict um if if you're smart and safe about it like you can go pretty far and not cause any harm to anyone so 
I like using using this one a lot more. <laughs> so, how comes you've not sold your Phantom? If you, if, I'm assuming you sort of still got it with you. Is is it something that you use occasionally, or just not at all now? I thought about selling it. I uh, lined up a sale with my friend, and then I don't know. I just felt like I needed to keep it. Like I have a bunch of old cameras from my grandfather that he gave to me, some films, some digital. And I felt like it was just like another one of those cameras. I felt like I had to keep it. So although I could have made some money off it, I was like, it's not even worth it. Like it still flies. It's still great. Like I was just probably going to put it on my shelf eventually and just have it sit there and collect dust, but still cool. Like, and like occasionally I think like we have taken it out recently, but for the most part, it's just me flying. So I only fly one drone at a time. So just stick with that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably handy to have a backup as well. Um, you know, if anything were to ever happen to your, your air two that you could sort of substitute it with the phantom for if needed, but obviously for you, probably the, the air two is perfect sort of size and, and weight and everything like that. It, you know, it's, it's a great drone and I think it definitely sort of is one of those ones that stands out now, especially when, even when you compare it to sort of the, the two pro and that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Like I picked the air two over the, the more advanced one, just because of like the capabilities. Like I was talking to some of my friends uh, who are also droners and they have the pro two and they're just like, you honestly they're like they're pretty much the same drone just the camera's like slightly better but for what we're doing like for instagram like it doesn't even matter like the screen's so small and no one really well i'm sure people care but like i don't care like it's good enough for me so yeah i mean i guess it's sort of it comes down to your use cases and that kind of thing if if you are doing that professional work and you know you need to blow pictures up for that you know that bigger size or you're shooting in dark and you need that one inch sensor then it's sort of worth spending that little bit more but for sort of general general use and you know instagram shots and that kind of thing the the air 2 is is a fantastic bit of kit yeah exactly like i i don't think i'm going to be doing anything professional with like um with this drone anytime soon so especially needing the advanced license to uh, make some income in Canada from it. Um, I'm not there yet. So unfortunately, like if I were to start getting on clients to do drone work, I would get myself in some trouble. So I rather just stick to what I'm doing, having some fun, hanging out, finding some cool spots, um, showing off uh, what people don't really know about the area. Like a lot of people that follow me are pretty local and they're just like, where do you find this? I'm like, some of the spots I'll, I'll tell them at least a rough idea and so they can find it themselves, but other spots I'm like, sorry, like it's close. And, uh, I actually had a couple of challenges earlier where I'd be like, find, find this if you can. And a couple of people in Australia found, found the spots versus the people that are local, which is kind of funny. It's like, you're never going to be coming up to like Burlington, Ontario to go find this spot, but you know, why not go for it? So. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned about obviously once you've completed your advanced license that you'll then be able to do commercial work. Is that something that you're sort of planning to do? You're planning to sort of move into the commercial work sort of full time and, and move it from being a hobby to a career? Um, I am working towards it uh, just to kind of like have it in the background just in case. 
but I don't see the income from it being enough. I would like to be able to just have it and be able to use it like maybe for travel purposes and being able to go elsewhere within Canada, outside of Canada and be like, yeah, I have like my advanced pilot's license to be a drone pilot and be like, yeah, okay. Um, but like I said, it's not something you can just do overnight, like unless you prepare for it. So I definitely need to go back to it. Like I've been pretty busy lately, so I haven't been focusing on it at all. So something something that i just definitely have to do and it's just a matter of time and when and right now it's winter so it's probably not the best time to be doing a flight review especially when it's snowing they don't typically like that um yeah just i'll get there <laughs> so obviously canada as, as we know it can be very very cold um and obviously you mentioned that you've got snow there at the minute how do you find that the Air 2 copes with sort of flying in the temperatures that you sort of deal with? So this last couple couple weeks or so, it's been pretty, pretty cold. Um, probably around minus nine or uh, we had a couple of days with the wind chill to minus 20. So the Air 2 is rated to minus 10. I think the coldest I've taken it out to was minus 20. And that was to chase some um, dog sled team up up a trail with my drone. That was fun. But uh, I found the drone was struggling with the gimbal. The gimbal would uh, kind of like shake as, uh, as it was like trying to adjust. So that was the only incident I've had issues with the cold other than like, like it's just cold and the battery drains a little quicker. But um, at least for that, like flying was no problem. It was just the gimbal that gave me issues, but under than under minus 10, like no problem. Like you can fly anywhere and no battery issues, like drones good to go. Yeah. I mean, over in the UK, I think the coldest we've had for, for quite a while was sort of minus six. So obviously for you sort of talking about minus 10, minus 20, you know, makes me cold just thinking about those temperatures. <laughs> it's not so bad. You get used to it. Yeah, I, I mean, for sort of going out and shooting as well, I can imagine that it's probably cold for you standing there as well. You know, I've, I've, there's been instances where I've sort of been flying and, and the wind's been chilly and, you know, your, your hands are standing there freezing and, and you're cold. So I guess it's just about wrapping up warm and making sure that you've got enough layers and that kind of thing to sort of see you through the, the flights. Oh, for sure. I think, I think that day I went out minus 20. Like, it wasn't supposed to be that cold, but it is just the day they chose because I was meeting up with, like I said, with the dog sled team to drone them and they picked honestly the coldest day of the week. I'm like, all right, well, let's get it, get it over with. So I had like leggings, I had under armor on like full body suit and gloves, hat, like everything. My whole body was covered and I was still cold. I was like, okay. <laughs> so was it snowing that day that you did the stuff with the dog sled or was it just minus 20 um normally when it gets that cold it doesn't snow so it was pretty sunny like there, i don't even think there was a cloud in the sky that was a just a cold day yeah i guess sort of that kind of thing it's sort of perfect weather conditions for for droning and you know when you get those perfect conditions it makes those shots sort of really stand out yeah for sure like that's one thing about photography it's all about conditions like you can go to the coolest spots in the world but if conditions suck like you're gonna have a shitty photo <laughs> yeah 
I mean, you sort of briefly touched on earlier that your um, your grandfather gave you sort of a couple of cameras and that kind of thing. So do you want to sort of run us through how you first got interested in photography and how that sort of led to where you are now? Oh, geez. Well, that is a weighted question for sure. Uh, I would say it started a while ago. Like, I think when I started Instagramming was 2013, right? Pretty much when... I don't know, like everyone was still taking selfies and like um, just doing doing all kinds of random things. Um, and then I th- like I wasn't into photography at, at all at that point. Like I didn't even have a camera. I was just taking photos with other people's phones and or they were taking photos of me. I would just repost them like I had no idea what I was doing. And then I went to uh, Germany with my family and they were just like, it's so beautiful here. Do you want a camera? I'm like, um sure like and then they're just like what kind of camera do you want and i think this is when gopro was like really really big like when everyone was like we need gopros so i was like i think uh while i was there i picked up the hero 4 or hero 3 i'm not too sure and i just started taking the stupidest looking selfies with this gopro with the fisheye and the selfie stick and that that was just kind of like all fun and games and then I realized that I could do more with a GoPro and just start taking photos of not me and what's out out in front of me. And people started to like that more. And then it started to click that, ah, maybe I should take photos of like landscapes or other stuff like that. And then I figured out after that, that I should be doing sunrises. I think, I think I only started to do sunrises when I got a real camera, which was, uh, one, one of my trips to the States, I picked up a Sony Alpha 6 and that's been my main camera for since forever now. And I haven't felt the need to upgrade because I've pretty much been doing drone, drone photography instead. Uh, but I've been waking up and doing like sunrises occasionally, especially when it's cold. Like right now, like I would have gone today, it was like minus 10 and that normally deters people from going outside. So I'd be like the only one there freezing, but I will get some good photos. Um, yeah, like that's pretty much how it started. Like I just got a GoPro and then next thing you know, I'm getting a Sony and taking all these dramatic shots in the morning. Like, like I said before, like we don't have a whole lot of stuff around. So I focused my attention on sunrises in the beginning then I think around 2015, I picked up a drone and this was probably before like everyone had a drone and everyone started doing drone photography and like no one, no one actually liked those photos when I posted them, which was kind of funny. Like I would post a a top down of a road, which would do really well now, but then I think I would only get like 300 likes on it and I would be like, oh, maybe people don't like drone photos. And I think it just took some time for people to get used to the idea that drones are here now and the photos we take are going to look a little higher, a little different and a little more abstract. And I think it took some warming up for people, but that was like a huge deterrent in the beginning when I started with drone photography specifically, because I was like, um, people don't like what I'm shooting. (laughs) They're like, why aren't you taking sunset photos? I'm like, because I want to take drone photos. <laughs> and then and then I stopped for two two years and lost like 5,000 people. And then 
ever since COVID started, I was like 44 days in, I was like, I'm going to post a photo. And my fiance was like, what? And you're going to post a photo on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be an Instagram again. Cause I was like, I'm so bored, like stuck inside lockdown. I'm like, I have all these photos from wherever, whenever I'm like, might as well start posting them again and see, see if they take off. And ever since I think it was April or May when, when I started till now I'm up like 12,000, 13,000 people from that just being like consistent and posting. But now everyone loves drone photos, which is great. So I'm here for it. So would you say that you sort of growing your Instagram to, to where it is now was purely down to sort of just posting consistently and obviously where people have sort of been in lockdown and been able to you know, just sit on their phones all day and and then sort of endlessly scroll. Would you put your sort of success with Instagram down to just can sort of consistently posting? I feel like it definitely helps, but there's a lot of factors when it comes to Instagram and growing and everything like that. Um, being con- being consistent definitely, I feel like it helps me just. Um, get people familiar with my work and see me constantly. Like, I feel like the more I put out content, the more people are used to seeing it. And they're just like, okay, here's another, like it's a uh, 8 AM or so from Toronto, like here's Kurt's post. And, um, but I feel like another thing that's very important is engaging with your followers. Um, like I have 28,000 people, but you know, I'm cut off from Instagram. They always, don't always show it to everyone, which is annoying. And uh, they always limit your reach. So I feel like the more you engage with the people that do comment, that do like your stuff, the more they're going to see it. And you can bypass that kind of um, restrictions that they put on your feed. So it is definitely like a lot of work to grow. It's definitely a lot of work to maintain your content is definitely a lot of work and time consuming to engage with everyone. But if you have like um, a good balance in your day and you have time, time to do nothing, like if you're going to endlessly scroll, you might as well comment on some photos, talk to some people, DM some people, uh, try and grow your feed, share some people's work. Like at the end of the day, like we're all kind of like doing the same thing. We're all taking photos. We're all like trying to become creators in some way. And like, if we all work together, like we're able to kind of bypass the algorithm locking us in and kind of like help each other grow and stuff. So I find whenever I have some downtime, I like check into Instagram and be like, I'm going to like some photos, going to comment on some photos, like give a little encouragement to whoever I follow. And, you know, it's, it's like having a bunch of friends on the internet that you don't get to hang out with. So <laughs> you got to make sure they're happy with what, what they're putting out. And, and in return, they will do the same for you. Like the more relationships you build online, the more people will want to engage with you. I think Instagram is very important in sort of networking now. I mean, obviously when it first sort of started out, it was, you know, a, a picture only sort of social network, but I guess now more than ever, it's it's as much a business tool as it is a networking tool as well. So, you know, basically everybody that I've done the podcast with, I have spoken to through Instagram and, you know, I still speak to them now and then. And obviously I got in touch with yourself through Instagram. And I think it's 
it's almost like a a business tool in the sense of sort of building your virtual portfolio of all of your shots and all of the work that you can do. Um, and I think sort of keeping that up to date, as you sort of said, and, and keeping that relevant is, is really important to sort of getting you anywhere that you want to go. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I wish, um, I could post everything I take at the same time and then just be like, I'm tired and here it is Aaron Ed. But unfortunately that's not how you play the game. So you got to space everything out. You got to put it out one at a time. You can't overwhelm your people because if you post eight things in a day, they're going to unfollow you. They're like, this is too much content. I can't handle it. So it's all about playing within the rules and just showing showing yourself off as best you can. Like, like um, I'm not sure if you said, but your grid is like your portfolio. And if it looks nice, people are going to want to scroll a little further down, look at some other things that you have like first thing people notice when they come to your feed is your grid and that's what i spend actually a lot of the time planning is my grid like i try to space out my drone photos with the sunset and who doesn't like a good sunset right in between some drone shots like people seem to be pretty happy with my feed um i'm sure if uh if instagram wasn't hiding me with the algorithm i would be a little little higher up in the field there too <laughs> So when you go out shooting for your drone shots and that kind of thing, do you take shots with the intention of posting them to Instagram or do you take shots and sort of when you're going through later think, oh, okay, that would work with my feed and, you know, maybe this one will work as well. Or is it sort of a case of when you are shooting that you think, right, this one I can post, you know, this would go really well next to this picture and sort of plan ahead? Well, I always plan ahead. So on my uh, Google Maps, I have honestly probably thousands of spots in my area outside my area around other places that i would be going to like i I plan my spots ahead not necessarily to post right away but just to have content so like i said before like i've talked to uh, some guys and they're like i like don't know where where to go i have no content like i need to come up with something to post quick because i don't have anything for this week i'm like well that's why like when i go out to spots i don't try and post it this week i'd like to at least have it in my back pocket and be like okay like i don't know where this is gonna go yet but I'll, i'll at least have it and like when when the time comes i'll know like I have, um, like I said, a pretty large backlog of just content ready. And like I spent probably a couple a couple hours every month planning out that month specifically, just so that way, like I have winter shots in winter and so forth kind of thing. And I find it's it's really helpful to just have backup content, like, it doesn't have to be the best, honestly. Like, it doesn't have to be good content. Like, half the stuff I post, like, I'm not even proud of. I'm just like, it fits, there it goes. Like, good luck. <laughs> so you just kind of, like, when you go somewhere, at least for me, like, if I don't necessarily, like, fall in love with a shot on this spot, it's not going to come out for a couple weeks, a couple months even. Like, I have winter shots that 
I don't feel made it into my winter grid this year. So they'll be coming out next year unless they get replaced with something else. So it's just a matter of when I feel it's ready to come out and if I have something to pair along with it because I plan my grid in uh, kind of like a nine square block and the bottom of it is a transition to my block from before and the top is a transition to my block above and then in the middle is a center centered photo of some sort it could be a top down it could be a landscape it could be anything as long as it's centered and everything on the on the middles is just sunsets just to kind of make that middle image pop in my feed so if you were to look at my feed right now it's as i would say perfectly aligned because it is how i planned it to be and Unfortunately, when you post one photo after that, everything shifts and everything kind of looks stupid. And you're like, ah, but I try and I try and plan everything. So that way it looks, I guess, aesthetic when you when you open my feed. But unfortunately, some days when you show up to my feed, you're like, oh, everything looks kind of off. And it's it should because it's not planned to be that way. <laughs> Yeah, and I think having that sort of continuity between your images and, and having that consistent feel is, is really important. I mean, having sort of that signature look, I mean, even if, you know, if we took your profile and, and, and screenshotted your grid and, you know, and sent it to a load of people, they would probably be able to tell that it was your pictures because of the way that you post things and the way that you edit things and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it was interesting you sort of mentioned about posting shots that you're sometimes not proud of um, because, you know, there's been a couple of people over the course of the podcast that have said that sometimes shots that they're not proud of have done better than the ones they are proud of. So do you find that sort of something similar for you as well? That just makes me laugh. Yes, I find that all the time. Um, and then there's posts that I don't think are going to do well. Um and I'm holding or post I'm holding on to and my uh, my fiance will nudge me. She'd be like, why are you not posting this photo? Like, get it in there, get it in there now. And then it blows up to like 4K and you're like, oh, yeah, OK, you're right. So um, it's, it's just kind of funny because like it's it really depends on if the algorithms get to you that day or not, because my reach will drastically change from day to day. And it's kind of frustrating to see. But when it's good to you, it's pretty damn good to you so um but it's funny because you don't want it to be good to you on the days that you don't like like if it's on a bad photo you're like no couldn't it be on the photo from yesterday or the one that's coming tomorrow and they're like no that's that's what you get so i'm like ah. so it, it's funny that you say that just just because it's true like what you think uh necessarily what you like isn't what everyone else likes. And like, I could be posting some really sweet top downs and the drone community will go wild, but everyone else will be like, Oh, I don't like that at all. Like it's too abstract for me. It looks weird. The colors are weird. They're like this weird shadow. And it's really like hit or miss sometimes, but then sometimes you'll get a shot that you're proud of and you post it and nothing happens you're like ah man <laughs> so it's yeah. just kind of hit or miss it's funny though yeah i think sort of as photographers we're very self-critical of 
our own shots and you know even sort of looking back at things we think oh we could have done that better we could have done that better and obviously I think sort of with sort of tools like Photoshop and Lightroom out there now you know you can manipulate photos to a certain extent do you find that you do that with your shots at all or are you very much a sort of straight from the straight from the drone a little bit of sort of exposure and contrast and then straight onto Instagram? I personally try to avoid Photoshop for the most part. Um, for some, I definitely have to because I have something in mind and like I got something with my with my drone, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for or the location um, had some like trash on the side or anything like uh, just kind of like distracting from your subject. So I try to not use Photoshop, but I won't say that I don't use it because sometimes I do and sometimes I have to. Like I have something in mind and I want it there and I won't be happy with what I got until I make it what I got. So it they're both very useful tools and I find um, Lightroom is pretty much the way to go. Like if I, if I can get a photo out with just Lightroom, I'll do it. Like I, I try to not do Photoshop because uh, if anyone looks at my photos, they will probably be able to tell it's Photoshop. I'm not the best at it, but Lightroom all day. <laughs> I think as well that, you know, I think it's, it's all about us trying to get the best image that you can with the camera. I mean, I think in uh, sort of the world that we live now with, with, you know, the amazing cameras that you can get on smartphones and obviously the power of sort of programs like photoshop it can be very easy to take a shot and think oh i'll just fix it in post but sort of striving to get that shot that you want with the camera and then just using say like lightroom just to sort of finish it off i think that is almost a, a skill in its own trying to to sort of steer away from using platforms like photoshop i mean as you say sort of sometimes it is inevitable if they're sort of rubbish or or distractions and that kind of thing which you know realistically you can't move out the way but I think sort of the the attitude that you have towards editing and trying to sort of keep it as as true to life as possible I think especially with your shots sort of shows through because it you know it, it makes you realize that everything you post is is just sort of through hard work and and looking for the specific shots well it definitely takes a lot of time to find it so when I find something I definitely don't want to change it unless I feel I really have to and a lot of the times, like I said, people just don't know what's around and, or they overlook it because they've seen it so often. And it's just kind of like, if you look at it from a different perspective from the sky, it looks pretty good. Just people, people don't realize it. Like it could be just a, a parking lot, downtown Toronto. Everyone walks by it, drives by it every day. They don't think anything of it, but you throw a drone in the air and you're like, Oh, there's a, pretty pretty cool pattern on the ground there that someone painted there someone took time to so you got to appreciate it and you don't want to change it like um specifically when you're working with geometry other things like that's someone else's art too that you're just showcasing like i didn't i didn't create those patterns they're just there someone else took the time to make it and they're proud of it and um if they're on instagram looking around through drone photos and they see it they're like wow like this guy found my found what I made and uh, displayed it like this. Like, that's pretty cool. Like if you look down at my feed, like there's a, 
what's the name of it called uh seahorse the seahorse um on a parking garage downtown toronto like most people don't know about it but obviously it's been advertised and it's been droned by multiple people now but uh everyday folk who aren't just like looking at the internet or too busy with their lives don't know that's there so it's just kind of like cool that there's some things that you can only see from the sky yeah definitely and i think that's what drones are perfect for is is getting that different perspective on on those everyday places that you sort of walk past and, and think nothing of um sort of just finishing up then is there any sort of tips that you could offer for people that maybe are just sort of starting out with a drone and or are thinking of picking up a drone i would say and just because i'm a stickler for for grids be be consistent with what you're coming out like it's okay to change what you do like it's okay to change your feed change what your style but if you want to be a drone photographer like you gotta consistently put out drone content you can't just like throw a portrait in there and then here's a landscape and then here's a macro of like this one flower i found outside like consistency because people when they come to your feed if they want you to be a drone photographer they will only follow you for your drone photography like I think when people come to me, like they know that I'm going to do drone photos and I like sunsets are great, but that's not what I'm here for. They're just filler content for me. So, but that doesn't mean I won't find a good one and post it like with a good reflection on the bottom. All of that, that always plays well with everyone. But like, if you're starting out with drones and you want to do well, you got to be consistent and find some cool spots that some people haven't found because uh, I'm sure there's multiple drones in your area and there's obviously going to be some guys with some bigger accounts around that go there every day. And everyone's kind of like a, it's kind of like a competition too, where like you'll have friends that go to a spot before you and you're like, Oh man, you beat me to it, but maybe you can make the photo better than they can. Like it's, it's fun. Like it's, I don't know. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a game or at least for how I feel with the local guys. Cause everything's around. It's just who's going to get there first. And I think that's fun. And cause we're all going to end up doing the same thing anyways, especially if everyone knows where it is. So first one, first come first serve kind of thing, but um, back to tips. I keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> uh, I would say definitely be consistent and, like if you, if you don't know anything about photography, like watch some YouTube videos, learn how to frame, learn how to edit, and you'll be good to go. Cool. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your uh, your Sunday morning. Um, it's been really nice chatting to you and sort of hearing hearing about your shots and sort of the thought process that goes into into each one of them. Um, do you want to just remind everybody how they can find you on Instagram and if you've got a website or anything like that? Well, I don't really have a true website. I just have an online store. Um, the link is obviously on my Instagram. Uh, you can check me out at, at Kurt Jurgen. And thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you for being here.